0: Welcome to the City Women Podcast. I'm Sharisa Great and I'm joined by Ashley Kelly and Mary Turner. This season we are reading through the book of Genesis and looking at how God has revealed himself as faithful. We pray today's episode encourages you and reminds you of how the Lord is faithful to you as well. Today we will be discussing chapters 21 through 25. Let's jump right in. Hey,
1: ladies. Hello, Sharisa.
0: How's it going this morning? So good. It's <laughs> going good. Yeah. I'm ready to dig in. I am I can't believe we're halfway through
2: our study. It's true. Oh, that's crazy. This I didn't is, realize that. Yeah, this this is I mean at chapter twenty five, that's halfway through.
1: That is? I know.
2: Well we so hope you're, you're en- enjoying this as much as we are. hmm These are we say every week, Oh, this is my favorite part. <laughs> they're let's just say this is they're all our favorite. <laughs> It's like you can't pick your favorite child. You can't fi- pick your favorite part of Genesis.
1: I know. There's. I think it's just because we learn so much about who God is. It's not that, like, this is my favorite character or, you know, any of that. But it's. Just, I love what we what we learn here about God. And it's just, I don't know, it opens it up to me, and it, it's fascinating.
2: And we have set the foundation, and now the story is going to pick up. Yes, it is. <laughs> Things are going to start happening. Mm-hmm. And finally— the child of the promise is born.
1: Yay. I feel like we need like confetti we and like woo, uh, balloons. So this <laughs> long
2: awaited child, Isaac, is born.
1: Hallelujah. It's It's been time mm-hmm.
2: for all of us. We can feel Sarah's pain in this. She's yes. been waiting for this and it finally happens. And now we get Isaac.
1: Yes. And I think it. You know, we have seen and we've pulled out many in many of our conversations, all the mistakes that they have made along the way. And I think it's worth pointing out here that the promise of a son, the promise that God made to Abraham specifically, was not based on, he didn't keep the promise because Abraham was so good. It was based on the faithfulness of God to his word. It didn't have anything to do with. What Abraham did or didn't do, it was purely just God made a promise, and He was faithful to His word.
2: Which is good news, because as we said in chapter twenty, uh, chapter twenty, right yes. before this,
1: Abraham almost right. messed the whole thing up. He had just made a huge mistake, and <sighs> then we see the next thing we see is here's your son, here's Finally. here's your
2: your promise. That's right, and 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 they. Perform the sign of the covenant on him. Mm-hmm. Isaac is circumcised on the eighth day, so there is that sign on him as well that he is part of the covenant. He's yep. part of this family, mm-hmm. and here we go. Here's the continuation of this line from Adam and Eve, sent to crush the serpent, the representation of the ultimate child, which mm-hmm. is the promise, mm-hmm. Jesus. Jesus. So this is just our example of Jesus here in Genesis. Mm-hmm. But things already start to go badly. We have this beautiful child is born, and the Ishmael is is doing something. It's a little unclear. The Hebrew he's either taunting or teasing or scolding. The Hebrew word can be translated as playing or laughing or reproaching. Mm-hmm. But whatever it is, Sarah's not having it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't you be messing with my child. Paul in Galatians four twenty nine describes it as persecuting. Sarah is definitely seeing it as persecuting. Mm-hmm. So we have brother troubles already. Already. Remember Cain and Abel. We're Mm -hmm. just replaying that story again. And so it's time for Ishmael to pull out of the story
1: here. Hagar and Ishmael. Um, And so this is, I think this is the last time that we're going to see Hagar, at least. Um, But I do want to point out, just like last time, she has this moment in the desert and God comes to her again. And, like, has, you know, and so even in her despair, even in this situation, God was faithful to come to her. And, you know, um, she's assuming they're going to die and, you know, all these things. But God makes a promise to her, you know, Ishmael is going to be a—he's going to have lots of kids and, you know, all these things. And so here God is once again faithful to Hagar.
2: And he is, again, the God who hears, which Mm -hmm. is— Word wordplay on, on Ishmael's name. Yes. And so he hears Hagar again. He is faithful to her. And God is bound to this covenant to bless Abraham and all of his descendants. And Ishmael's part of that. Mm-hmm. And we'll see some of that later. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're about to have Abraham's greatest test before mm-hmm. his death. I mean, it was a test to get to the child of the promise. But I think this is a bigger test. Mm-hmm. This is the moment where Abraham has to show that he's finally learned what God is trying to teach him. And he shows perfect obedience and complete surrender to God's will. He now has full faith in, in the divine promises we see in this moment with him and Isaac. Mm-hmm. So and this story is supposed to bother you. I want to say this. Mm-hmm. I know people who say, what in the world? Why is God wanting to sacrifice his child. God is opposed to child sacrifice. You so mm-hmm. look in Leviticus 30. I mean, you'll see that there. So you're not supposed to think this is a great story. This is not about child sacrifice. This is about laying down your idols.
1: Mm-hmm. I think we've, we said this in an earlier episode where the faith of Abram, Abraham is progressive. He's learning because he, God started from scratch with Abraham. He was a, Abraham was a, an idol worshiper, worshipped many gods, didn't know the one true God. And so the whole journey of Abraham that we read through Genesis is his progression. And God is revealing himself to Abraham slowly, bit by bit. And so that's why we see so many ups and downs and so many many other things that kind of frustrate us with Abraham is, is because he's learning just as we are. And we make the same ups and downs and mistakes and all these things. And so here in Genesis 22, what we're seeing is like Abraham has gone on this great journey with God and he's learned all these things about God and and the promise has come. He has his son, he is fulfilled, and God's testing him, like you said, and we have these same tests. It's like you have there has to come a point where either you want the promise or you want the promiser. You know what I mean? The one who mm-hmm. gives the promise, and so that is Abraham's test here. God is happy to bless Abraham, happy to give him the promise of a son. But Abraham, but God is so zealous and jealous for Abraham that he is—he, God wants Abraham, and and God wants Abraham to want God more than what God can do for him or give to
2: him. That's so good because he has to prove that Isaac is not an idol. He's a gift.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And gifts can be given mm-hmm. and taken away. Mm-hmm. And so we have this this journey, again, of Abraham's life. I, I love when you say that because then he has to take this yeah. literal journey yeah. with Isaac from Beersheba to Mount Moriah, which mm-hmm. is near Jerusalem. It took them about three days. Mm-hmm. So this is a long walk knowing what's going to happen. Up a mountain. Up a mountain. <laughs> To <laughs> so the location later this is going to be the temple in Jerusalem there's a lot of symbolism here yeah. there's a lot of mess- messianic symbolism here mm-hmm. and Paul even talks about this in Romans 4 you can look there mm-hmm. it's this is this is obviously a lot of Jesus symbolism I mean Isaac's carrying wood mm-hmm. hello mm-hmm. uh Jesus carrying the cross mm-hmm. there's a lot of that in here that I think you need to make sure you you recognize there's uh, the the ram that gets offered as a sacrifice for Isaac, that's another type mm-hmm. for, for Jesus. So it's just here is Abraham laying the future of the people of God on the altar. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can take away from the gravity of this moment. Mm-hmm. He truly has recognized that as a leader, I have responsibility, and this is another test I have to pass. God's come through before. He, he believes, and I believe, in this moment that if he— had failed this test God would have had to find another way and so he recognizes this is it God is going to give me a child of the promise whether it's Isaac or someone I I, I submit to you God mm-hmm. and then there are all these these Jesus moments here uh, even in in Romans it talks about Abraham was now the father of all believers mm-hmm. this is a real turning point for Abraham
1: mm-hmm. this it is a climax of faith in in the Bible and in Genesis and I think, like, if you if you put yourself in Abraham's shoes, he knows what God has asked of him. Um, Isaac does not. Isaac, at one point, asks, like, we, okay, I know what we're gonna go do. Like, we're gonna go sacrifice. We've got the wood, um, but we're missing like a really important piece to this. And Abraham knows, <laughs> but Isaac doesn't. And Abraham says, God will provide. God will provide. Like that is a statement of faith. It doesn't the first time he says that it doesn't say what God is going to provide. And so Abraham is just moving forward on the faith that God's going to provide in some way. If that means he's going to provide something else for a sacrifice, great. If that means that I'm actually going to have to I'm actually going to have to sacrifice my son. I believe that God will provide. I believe maybe he will bring Isaac back to life or there will be some other way that this is going to happen. God will provide. And God does. God does provide in that moment when Isaac is like staring at his father, knife in hand. Isaac is, I mean, Abraham is at that very, like he has, he's hes ready to do it. He is, you know, and, and God stops him. Whoa, 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 whoa you know, now I see, now I know. And he provides a ram. And can you imagine that moment for Abraham? Like, I knew God that you are good and I knew you were faithful. And I know that Isaac is the promise and all these things, but all of it has culminated right here, right now in this moment. I know that you were for me and I know that you were good and you were faithful. This is so amazing. And he names, you know, the place, um, um, whatever it's basically the place where God has provided, and this is this is another name of God that is so important, Jehovah Jireh, and um, I think we're probably maybe familiar with that one. But it means that God will provide. It actually means that God will see to it. So it means that, like, we saw that with Hagar that God sees, but this is a different rendition of that. It means that like God will see to it in this moment. God will see to it. This is not too small for him. This is not too big for him. God sees it, and he will see to it. God will provide.
2: It's so important. And he did. He provided completely and perfectly. Yeah. And then he he has this moment and I think it's verse 16, yeah. Where he says, Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. And he kind mm-hmm. of reiterates Again. this. But it talks about in Hebrews six thirteen, there there is no there's nothing greater that God can swear upon than himself. Right. Like, this is the ultimate promise here. I'm swearing on myself. That's the biggest possible thing you can swear on. Mm-hmm. So the the greatest promise Is just the reiteration of this. He is swearing by himself.
1: Mm -hmm. I I wonder if it's a callback to when he cut the covenant and he walked through the pieces of the animal and the blood and all of that. It's the same. He was swearing by himself. You know what I mean? He was saying, I'm making this promise with myself to myself. If I I break it, then I, you know what I mean? Like I'm taking it all on me. It must
2: be because then he's saying, you don't have to do anything, Abraham. You don't have to sacrifice mm -hmm. your son because that is... What, in a covenant, what he should be doing? He should be sacrificing right. something. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm taking all of this mm-hmm. on.
1: and we know that eventually God is going to sacrifice his son. This is good stuff <laughs> <It's okay>. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and then there's this little part we didn't want you to miss in in verse twenty here, um, where it starts talking about some uh, relatives of Abraham. and we want you to to read that part. Um, pay attention to that. Sometimes when we get to genealogy we kinda skip over it. But we want you to pay attention to that part because it's giving us some background to prepare for the son, Isaac's wife. Mm-hmm. So hold on that, but don't don't skip over that part.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Names are important. Always. <laughs>
2: and then Sarah dies. Aw. So. Yeah. Yeah. She was old. she she, she old. lived a nice, long time, mm-hmm. and Abraham mourned and wept for her, so he did love her, mm-hmm. you know, and and then we we see her being buried. And this is something that's really important to draw out of the story,
1: yeah. Um, they wanted to always take care of their their dead. It was very important to memorialize them. Um, and also, we see Abraham um he purchases a piece of land to bury Sarah in. And this piece of land will show up again and again in the Bible. And this is actually the only piece of land that Abraham legally owned and purchased in the promised land. And so this land that God had essentially given to him, um, here we see Abraham buy just a portion of it. So there's only just a small portion of this promised land that Abraham ever could have could call his, his own.
2: That's right. And then he gives her this proper burial because otherwise, as you were saying, it shows a uh, a lack of respect. Mm -hmm. So he gives her the respect that's due and he doesn't want a curse on him because a curse comes on you if you don't bury properly. And we're going to come back, as you said, to this burial place. This is something to to mark in your mind, put a little pin in it, and um, we'll come back to this as well. But then the story really starts to pick up because Mm -hmm. we start to talk about a wife for Isaac. Mm -hmm. So Abram Abraham is old, Sarah is gone, and they recognize, we need to continue this line. It's not just the son of the promise. We need more sons mm-hmm. in this line. And so he, um, Abraham sends out his oldest servant, which I've read in a lot of places could be Eliezer, mm-hmm. the, the servant that was mentioned much earlier who was going to be Abraham's heir. Mm-hmm. Now he's going to find someone to continue the family line for the next heir. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting, like, full circle moment. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh-huh. so Eliezer goes on a journey and Abraham is very clear with him. Um, he tells him to go back to our homeland, go back to my people and find a wife for Isaac. Um, and there's some reasons to that. One, um, it wasn't, it wasn't a faith matter, um, because if you'll remember, Abraham came from a family that that worshiped many idols and Abraham is the one that has had the journey with God and now has the faith in God. So it wasn't a matter of, Oh, we need to get out of this place and back to our people so we can have the same faith. It really was about continuing the line, the bloodline and um, keeping the, keeping that kind of clean. Um, And, and Abraham is very clear, like, don't, he cannot go back. Isaac cannot go back because God has called us here. God has called us forward. Isaac cannot come back, go back. The the, the lady, the girl has to come here. Um, and so he's very, very clear about that. And so that it's important to know.
2: And it's a little bit of foreshadowing for what's going to happen with the next generation. Mm-hmm. We're going to have this repeated again, but not in the way that Abraham prescribed, which ends up causing some problems, mm-hmm. which we won't tell you yet. But yeah. You'll yeah. see what happens. A little, little teaser. Yeah. But, but marriages are alliances, basically, yes. is what you're saying. And we don't want to align ourselves with the Canaanite to, to pollute the line. We want to stay within our tribe here. Mm-hmm. So we get the introduction of Rebecca. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca is the granddaughter of Abraham's brother, Nahor. Mm-hmm. This is yeah, I had to
1: write all this out and figure out the, the family tree because it gets a little confusing. It <laughs> gets a
2: little hazy. And it's a daughter of his nephew, Bethuel, mm-hmm. who isn't mentioned, but instead Laban is introduces sort of the stand-in for the male mm-hmm. relative Her brother, at this point. Is, yeah, it, it says yeah. brother, and it can either or mean— uncle. it can Yeah, it can mean like uncle-cousin. It's sort of like in a lot of cultures, you can call someone brother or uncle, and it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they are— particularly mm-hmm. it means a male relative it just makes
1: it really confusing for us exactly so we're just going
2: to say he's a male relative <laughs> not because, her father yeah he's not her father which would normally be the person who would make marriage negotiations and it doesn't
1: say why i wonder but we don't have any answers to that
2: that's it's a mystery that we can ask one day <laughs> yeah but the the servant goes to this well and it's a very common place to meet people mm-hmm. right and rebecca would have been there two times a day to draw water for the family you know this is we don't have running water in our homes if you need water which is the the source of life you have to go get it for your family for washing for your animals all these things so he's looking for someone who would go above and beyond what was expected
1: yes and so this is actually this is another one of the. I think I say this every time. This is another one of those things that we could quickly read over, and we're like, "Oh, that was so nice. Like she, Rebecca, gave him some water, and then she fed his animals. She That's got him so a sweet. nice sweet cold glass of sweet <laughs> yeah, tea. Like yeah, like just a little. They just needed yeah. a little, a little drink. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, what Eliezer, he he kind of set this thing out before God, and it was like, okay, I want to make sure I choose the right woman and he's looking for something very particular. And so what he proposes of God is something so outrageous and we don't get it because we don't understand. But it's so outrageous that that for some for a lady to come and do this, it would be very obvious that this is a yes from God. And so Eleazar or the servant, whoever whoever it is, like, I'm going to come to this well and the woman that comes and offers me a drink and then offers, also offers to water my camels until they're filled. Um, May she be the one that that will come with me and and marry Isaac and all that. And we think, well, that's, sure, I would do that too if you got, you know. But what we don't understand is that he has 10 camels with him, 10. That's what the text says. He has 10 camels with him. Camels can drink up to 25 gallons of water. And so we don't know when the last time was that these camels have had a drink of water. It's been a journey there. Right. We yeah. don't know. We're not given that piece mm-hmm. of information. We know that he has camels. We know that he has 10 of them. We know that camels can drink up to 25 gallons of water. And so here comes Rebecca, offers some water to, to the servant, to Eleazar. And then she offers, would you like for me to also give your camels some water? Yes, please, that would be great. They're very thirsty. Okay. Well, she's got a little jar, and she is going to go to the well. And the well, I was listening to someone talk about this, and he has been to this place. And the well, where it is, is actually down the, down steps. Like, it's a journey down. It's not just like we would picture in our minds, like, right there. This is a journey down. And she's got a little jar. There are 10 camels that can drink 25 gallons of water each. And so for her to water these camels until they are filled could have taken up to one hundred trips to the well to water all of these camels. This is extraordinary generosity. This is back breaking work that she offered to do for this man that she does not know. That's crazy. And we we read over it. We don't understand that. Like why why would this have been a thing? Why why is this a big deal? Because this is she is so generous she is willing to stop her day completely change the trajectory of her day because that's going to take a long time Mm -hmm. for this man that she does not know it's amazing this is a pretty big deal this is
2: one of the main points in the story where i really like her yeah i struggle with her (laughs) later but at this point i'm like this is a woman this is incredible this This is a moment woman we like we like her here so then, the the servant realizes this is the one. This is this, is, this is the wife that I it. need to get for mm-hmm. for my master. And so he goes back to the house and he starts making proposals and he offers some money to Laban, who we find out later in the story kind of likes his money and possessions. So he's really swayed by this. He is ready. He's Let's ready to do it. He's ready to hand her over. But there's this inter- interesting moment. I want I want to mention in um, verses 57 and 58 where they go and they, they ask Rebecca, because we can get a little bothered by this. I mean, culturally, we understand the woman is sort of property, and so she, the, you know, the male relatives are the ones who are making the negotiations. But that's not enough for God. You know, he, he wants to make sure Rebecca is part of this. And it's actually the custom at this time. Uh, her consent would be custom if she is being promised by a relative that is not her father. Mm-hmm. So she has to give consent. And then also if someone is being promised to someone from a foreign land, she has to consent to that as well because she's having to leave all of her people. Mm-hmm. So that is the kindness of God here as well, that Rebecca is not just shipped off without her permission. She agrees to this. Mm-hmm. She makes a, a promise as well. There's a covenant involved here as well, and there's an exchange of presents and all mm-hmm. these things. Yeah. And I think this is a really important part to pull out.
1: She says, I will go. Mm-hmm. Abraham said that when God called him. Away from his land and his family back in Genesis twelve. Okay, I will go. She's Here's, repeating the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will go.
2: And so she mounts up on her camel and they head off to meet her husband.
1: I like their meeting. It's I like sweet that like <laughs> she's like, Who's that? And he's like, Ooh, who's that? And you know, it's just like, who knows really? But she has to cover with the veil right. and the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, in in you know, as a girl, and you know, it just it just seems so the romantic. romantic. Movie. Yeah, it's like yes. oh, they they love each other. That's what we can assume.
2: And it says it actually in verse sixty seven. It says mm-hmm. that Isaac loved her deeply. Yes, that's
1: kind of yes. major because that wouldn't have always been the case. Mm-hmm. And it does say he takes her into his mother's tent, which. Um, he's comforted by her, you know, he, like his mom has died now. And that also means that now Rebecca is going to be the mistress of the household. Like she's his wife now. And then also she's, she's taking on this new role that is going to be very important.
2: She's the new matriarch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is Sarah left big shoes. And so it's Rebecca's turn. But our, our final chapter here, we're back to Abraham. We're going to leave Isaac and Rebecca for a moment. They're mm-hmm. they're happy, happy newlyweds. We're going to leave them for a moment and go back to Abraham. And it tells us that he married another wife. Mm-hmm. Listen, you know, he's lonely. So he gets How Ketua. old is he at this point? I'm like, real old. did we need to? I, I don't know. This, you know, Guys, what are you going to do? <laughs> So uh, he, he marries another wife, and then there's also a mention of maybe some concubines. So I think mm-hmm. he had a, a bit of a harem going at this point. And he has some other sons, and this these are listed here. Mm-hmm. and And we think this is important to mention as well because these are all descendants. And so even though they end up being some of the enemies of Israel and they end up being kind of difficult at certain points – um, we've got the Midianites here that are mentioned. The Israelites would have recognized this name as well. Still are Abraham's descendants. So mm-hmm. they have some blessing as well. And Ishmael as well. He, he's part of this as well. And we talk about his descendants. As I mentioned, he has 12 sons, which is a bit of a foreshadowing of another group of 12 sons.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so Abraham has a life after Sarah. And, you know, we don't we don't really know much about him after that. Um, we know that he, what does it say about his, about these other sons says that he actually sends them away once they get old enough. Isaac is the promised child. He's the one that's going to carry the line. And so Abraham sends these other sons away and gives them gifts. And, and once again, that sounds kind of harsh to us, like, why would a father do that? But actually this is another moment of his extreme generosity, Um, because in the culture and time of that day, these sons would have more than likely been like servants to Isaac. Um, They would not have held a status or a place in the family. And so by Abraham just sending them, cutting them loose, he gave them their freedom and he gave them gifts. And so it's actually an extreme amount of um, generosity on his part. That's a good thing.
2: Mm-hmm. And then Abraham dies and he's buried he with dies. Sarah.
1: Yeah. And it says in the text, it says that um, he died a good old age, an old man and full of years.
2: I love that. Mine says a long and satisfying life.
1: Yeah. I love that too.
2: So he's buried in, in the the place that he had purchased. So mm-hmm. we see him there with his wife. And then um, there was one other thing I meant to pull out about Ishmael. It's uh, verse 18. It says, there they lived in open hostility towards all their relatives. Mm. It's really setting up this um, Cain and Abel brother situation where we have this hostility that we see throughout the rest of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. We see difficulty with their neighbors, and this is the beginning Mm -hmm. of it.
1: There's like one little moment of um, hope or redemption I see in that is that Isaac and Ishmael both bury Abraham.
2: I love that, too, mm-hmm. that they're there together. Mm-hmm.
1: OK, and then we're going to have more brother on brother violence. Mm-hmm. So, so we've um... we kind of said it. So we've <laughs> we've journeyed with Abraham. He has, you know, all these things. Actually, um, the book of Genesis covers like over 2000 years. And I read that Abraham, the story of Abraham is a third of Genesis. So he's it's like not. really important. Mm-hmm. And um, he did his part and he set some foundations and, you know, all these things. He's and now, the father
2: of all believers. Right.
1: And so now may he rest in peace <laughs> and we move forward with the line as we should.
2: Yeah. We continue on with the, the, the promise mm-hmm. um, with Isaac and Rebecca. And mm-hmm. they want to have children, too, because... It's not enough just for Isaac. We have to continue this line. Mm -hmm. And so they are having difficulty getting pregnant. Rebecca is is barren or just unable to have children at this time. We're not really clear. But Isaac prays. And we really like this part of the story Mm -hmm. as well.
1: Yeah. Isaac prays. And it just, you know, Abraham and Sarah's journey was very long. We see that we see this pattern with Rebecca and um, but Isaac prays and believes, and it's like all within a sentence or two. And Rebecca gets pregnant, and she has twins. It's a two for one special. <laughs> it is. I don't know if if I have no. This is me reading into it. I don't know if Abraham and Sarah's faith laid the the groundwork for Isaac to have the kind of faith to believe that um, their line was going to continue. Like Abraham had to have taught Isaac. This is what God has said to me. This is the promise. This is what you were born into. And I'd imagine that the faith of Abraham was instilled in Isaac. And for Isaac to believe, this line is going to continue. My father is meant to be the father of multitudes. That means I have to have children. <laughs> I have to have sons. Yes. And so he prays and he believes. And they have sons.
2: You would have to learn all this. And and. and... I don't want to get too hung up on ages mm-hmm. because, um, and maybe we'll talk about this in Q&A or something, but ages aren't necessarily meant to be exact. Right. Uh, there's a lot of significance in Hebrew literature as far as numbers. And mm-hmm. so the fact that Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebecca, maybe he was 40, maybe he wasn't. But the 40 is like the age of completion. Yes. So like. Or the, the, the number of completions. Mm-hmm. So he has completed the first part of his life. He's ready to move on to the second part of his mm-hmm. life. So that is some time That's to, to yeah. have lived with the promise and mm-hmm. to know your responsibility in this line. And here we are with the two sons in Rebecca's womb are already fighting. Mm-hmm. Anyone who has children knows what this looks like. Here they mm-hmm. are wrestling. Anyone who's had twins. Uh, <laughs> yes. Neither, none, we not, us, have not but Not us. We know of. hmm they're they're wrestling already in the womb they're already starting this pattern that will be kind of for much of their childhood mm-hmm. and early adulthood
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah so we see um eventually she has she has two the babies. babies and I wonder was this the first time twins were born I have no idea That's a
2: good question. That be interesting it's the first time it's mentioned it's mentioned in yeah. the text <laughs> and, and s- we're like what
1: is happening
2: who are these two <laughs> and there's there's esau and there's jacob mm-hmm. and their names have significance so we mm-hmm. should mention that because it, it the way they're even described in their birth has a lot to do with what's going to happen so um, esau is the hairy one that's what his name means great? he's a hairy baby anybody who's ever seen a baby <laughs> that's hairy well that's esau and jacob is the supplanter or the one closely following because he grabs onto his the brother's heel, heel. yeah he's trying to take his place yeah and it's described to us that esau is loved by his dad Jacob is loved by his mom. Um, he stays home with her. He's sort of a homebody, whereas Esau, uh, he's an outdoorsman. He gets out there. He hunts. He fishes. He, all the outdoorsman things. But he's not necessarily portrayed as very smart. Mm-mm. We don't think of him as a real genius. And he does, um, he does something that is culturally legal in, mm-hmm. in, in this chapter. He is allowed to sell his inheritance, his birthright, But it was very strange Mm -hmm. to the Hebrews at this time. It would be incredible because there are so many advantages offered with the birthright. There There are double portions of the inheritance. You get to be head of the household. And the line of the family is supposed to continue with you. You know, we know Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It was supposed to be Abraham, Esau, Eliphaz. That, that even sounds weird to say because that is how it was supposed
1: to be by birth order. By birth order. Birth mm-hmm. order it would have been. Would have been that.
2: Mm-hmm. Instead, it tells us that Esau is so hangry, so hungry, he sells his birthright for a bowl of stew. And while Jacob was wrong to take his brother's birthright, it was legal. He could do it. Esau's fault was greater for not valuing it, for just mm-hmm. being impulsive and saying, I'm mm-hmm. so hungry, I'm going to die. You're not going to die.
1: Mm-hmm
2: one meal come on Mm -hmm. but he sells his birthright and it sets up this repetition of cain and abel all Mm -hmm. over again
1: it makes me wonder what kind of men they were so like for esau he just didn't care enough you know like he didn't have the same kind of I don't know, in him that maybe Abraham had. You know, Abraham wanted what God had for him. Abraham had to obey. Abraham had to do some hard things. Esau, it just seems like the first opportunity he just gives up because he's hungry. He gives up what he was born into, what would have been his, um, the responsibility, all the things. He just gives it up because he was hungry. Whereas Jacob, it seems like even though he went about it the wrong way, he wanted it. And maybe, may I don't, I don't know. Maybe to God, that desire to actually like want to to live the life that that is set before you um, is more important than who's born where and this and that. You know what I mean? Like maybe in this, Jacob conveys something that God is after.
2: That's true, and it was prophesied before they were born. Mm-hmm. I mean. Rebecca knows that they're going to be rivals from the very beginning. They're going to be two powerful nations, but the younger was going to serve the older. And that's a pattern that happens throughout the Bible. Yeah. Because God doesn't always do the things uh, the way they look like they should be done because he doesn't ever want it to look like um, people could do that on their own. Mm-hmm. We need to rely on him. Mm-hmm. So here is the second born who needs to rely on him. Mm-hmm. And we'll see more of that in his story. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're going to get into that next week. <laughs> Are we ready to talk about him, Ely? I think so. Yeah.
1: Let's
2: do it. Okay. Here we go. Ready to talk about what we got out of the scripture. Uh, to me, I'm thinking about the the story of Isaac's sacrifice and Abraham's part in that. Um, how it was this this test. And Abraham had had so many tests over the years, and he kept messing up. But here is the one, the most important test and he passes it and about how he is this leader of the family he's the father of the family and he has this responsibility to his family to pass this test Mm -hmm. and i just think it's a really um it's a beautiful passage to finally see abraham get it it's like the lights have turned on and he understands that isaac is this gift and he can't hold on to it he has to to deal with things open-handed And I think of myself, you know, I have, I have two daughters and having to deal with their lives Mm open-handed and as a leader, being ready to learn the lessons that God is trying to teach me or else I'm going to go back and have to learn it again (laughs) a different way and keep learning and keep pushing through the test and just being really open and mindful of the fact that if something is difficult it doesn't mean that I've done something wrong it might mean that God is requiring something of me and then as far as we looking at this from from all of us you know there there are testing upon us as a body of Christ. And there are difficult times that we faced and not facing them with the sense of like, oh man, what have we we done wrong? But facing them with this sense of God is our God. He is our provider. He is all the names of God that we've gone through so Mm -hmm. far, just showing these different aspects of God and how good he is to all of us. And we need to keep in mind our responsibility as the body of believers to come to him with that open-minded attitude.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
0: good. Yeah. One of the things that I thought was really interesting as we were reading through in verse 21 of Genesis 25, it says, And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah and his wife conceived. And at this point, we haven't seen a lot from Isaac. Like, we, he was part of um, the test that you just mentioned, but we don't see a lot of his interaction what kind of kid was he was he obedient all these things and um but even just by this statement of i'm faced with a problem and i know that the god that the god that i serve can meet any needs that we have and would be um willing to allow us to conceive and and so just that learned faith. He watched his parents, both the good and the bad, I'm sure, and he learned from them that I can approach the Father with the things that um, burden me, and he wants to supply my needs. and, And I think that's true of us, too. Like, there's lots of people who see the ways that we interact with the Father, the way we interact with one another, and they're learning from us. And, um, and so I think that is something that I just want to be mindful of is what does it look like for me to approach the father when I'm faced with something that, um, is troubling or burdening me and let that be my first step rather than trying to
1: pull a (laughs) 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 stair-eye and do stuff on my own. So yeah.
2: Learn from their example. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And then people can learn from your example. Yeah. Um. So that, that also can keep you on the straight and narrow yeah, a little bit. Sure. <laughs> um, something that I'm, uh, kind of just sitting with, um, from our discussion is just the little portion where we, we talked about, you know, Sarah dies and Abraham buys a plot of land, uh, to bury her. And it becomes the land where many of his descendants will eventually be buried. And he is buried also there, um, But just knowing the little detail that that is actually the only piece of land that he legally owns out of the promised land. Like God has, God multiple times has promised him this land. There was that point earlier in Genesis where God had him walk, like walk this land, this, I'm giving this land to you. But he never actually possessed it. He, he, he didn't, he got the promise of Isaac. But the promise of the land never actually came to fruition while Abraham was alive. Um, And so the only part of the land that he ever possessed was this little portion where he buried Sarah and where he was buried and and other people. And that, that portion of land is the only land that his people possess. Until after the Israelites, who are the original audience of what we are talking about, right? Like they're going to go into the promised land and eventually possess it. Um, But Abraham and his descendants had to live on this promise that one day this land will be ours. And not ours as in Abraham's and Isaac's, but ours as in his families, his descendants. It's bigger than him. Um, and so it just makes me think, am I willing to live my life if I feel like I've been promised something by God, if if I have faith for something, am I willing to live my life with just a little portion of that happening, um, you know, my whole life? Mm-hmm. Am I willing to believe that it's bigger than me? Um, maybe what I'm believing for is for my children or for my grandchildren or for a greater audience or a greater, greater Mm -hmm. amount of people or whatever it is. Like, am I willing to live my life faithful to God, um, completely convinced of his goodness and of his willingness to provide and his willingness to provide the promise, um, like Abraham did. And like, Mm -hmm. like many of his descendants did. Um, and, and I think for us looking back at that, at abraham and in his faith in that it bolsters our faith um because we we now live in a time where we saw god faithful to that and so just the same way and i think this this we portion comes around a lot in our conversation um even what i just kind of said about yours is that our faith can inspire and stir the faith of others Mm -hmm. around us and so it's very easy to be very individualistic yeah. in our faith and in our walk with God. But if we are open to sharing it and open to just living it out in front of people, um, our faith can be the foundation, the groundwork for somebody else's faith. We, we, then we may never, ever know it. Abraham doesn't know me. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know Ashley Kelly from the year 2023. Yeah, But his faith is part of the foundation that I walk on Every single day. Mm -hmm. For sure. So good. It's amazing. I mean, Genesis. Y'all, if you don't love Genesis at this point, then maybe we're not doing this right.
2: Go back and listen again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do think it's interesting because, like, so much of Abraham's story is leading up to Isaac, Mm -hmm. and Isaac is such a small portion of these passages that we'll be reading and so this promise was beyond Isaac yeah. and and I think Abraham having the faith to see beyond that mm-hmm. we have to do the same that's right
2: mm-hmm. it's not just about this child it's about the line mm-hmm. yeah it's good.
1: there's some there's some um, I think I've heard it said or taught some theologians and it's probably a natural thing I'm not sure this just <laughs> popped into my head mm-hmm. that actually say that Abraham saw mm-hmm. He saw Jesus. Like he knew in some way how big this was. Yes, he knew that it wasn't just Isaac. He knew that it wasn't just going to be mm-hmm. his grandson. You know what I mean? Like he, he had that long faith. Um, I want to have that long faith.
0: Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We hope this conversation revealed something new to you about God and or yourself. We'll be back next week as we discuss the next five chapters. In the meantime, feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have by emailing us at citywomen at citychurchok.com or click the link in our show notes. Follow along on Facebook and Instagram at citywomenok.